2: Welcome to another bonus episode of Utopia Talks. It's Jaguar here, and this is a bonus episode that I'm so excited to share with you. But before you listen to this, if you haven't already listened to both parts of the Under the Lights documentary, I highly recommend you check those out first. Across both parts of the documentary, we spoke to a lot of queer artists who are absolutely smashing it right now, including Talia, Michelle Minetti, and Jay Ward who all gave an incredible insight into navigating the music scene as a queer person. So go and give that a listen if you haven't already. All right, recorded live sets can be notoriously an intimidating place for a DJ. Believe me, I've been there. Hateful comments are often seen as part and parcel, and from experience, it's a scary thing to do. A lot of DJs avoid them altogether, but they're increasingly becoming a vital way of making a name for yourself in dance music. With that in mind, today's conversation is with Lagoon Femme Shamer, who in November 2022 became the first ever artist to do a boiler room set in drag. We love it. To see somebody breaking down expectations and doing a set in full drag is just incredible. The set itself is amazing. Lagoon is literally painted bright blue, playing Azealia Banks, playing all these bangers, and the whole thing felt like queer history in the making. I sat down with Lagoon to discuss respect, his boiler room, how he deals with haters, and so much more.
1: My name is Zoe Gleaves. I also go by Lagoon Femshamer. My pronouns are he, him. And I am a DJ, creative director, drag queen, broadcaster, presenter, and will literally do kind of anything else if the coin is uh, cute enough, considering the cost of living crisis we're currently in. But those are my big five. So that's what I do mainly.
2: <laughs> your big five love also let's not forget hun tv as well right
1: yes personal favorite i'm so happy that you ride for that honestly my god like i like tiktok is just a tiktok is just a myth and a mystery but i'm so glad that you like hun tv we're doing the x factor episode rollout. it started today so <laughs> stay locked watch hun okay. tv it's really funny. for
2: people that don't know what's hun tv
1: Hunt TV is this stupid show that I filmed with my friends over I mean we filmed it back in like 2021 like the spring of 2021 and I had the footage for ages and was like desperate to put it out it's basically just a kind of like a rewatch show where we kind of look at quintessential classic moments from British culture and just take the piss out of them a little bit because we love that you know it's like that classic camp thing where it's like we love them so much and we think they're amazing but they're also a little bit silly um, so we did Hollyoaks specific. John Paul and Craig um, <laughs> which was a very important storyline in my life when I was 13, 14 and we're now on to X Factor so we're looking at Dawn the Jockey we're looking at Lisa, and oh. we're looking at um, Cher Lloyd oh it's great it is great Ooh. it's so stupid but it's great I love it
2: Ooh. oh my god I'm living for the X Factor series okay. <clears throat> um, anyway right back to this okay so you did your debut boiler room last year which was iconic to Thank say you. the least Azealia Banks licorice I mean need I say more yes. no it was amazing um love watching you do that and feel like it's doing good things for you but can you tell us about that experience the boiler room
1: sure I have been I have been DJing since 2019 um and then obviously you know everything kind of like shut down night wise pretty much a year after I started and It was just, it was something that when I started DJing, I had already been doing drag for a number of years. The drag came before the DJing, but when I started, I, you know, had, I had always kind of wanted, I had always thought like it would be great to be the first drag queen to ever play a boiler room and to kind of like make that a thing. And the time kind of came at the beginning of last year where I kind of like, I felt ready and I kind of wanted to work on something really creatively. And so I reached out to Boiler Room and Amar specifically from Boiler Room who's really great and really creative and who I'd kind of known um, for producing some of the most fantastic shows that they've done there. You know, he was involved with Lesbian Ali which was that incredible project which they did pre-lockdown with Pussy Palace and Babes. and um, And he was basically super into the idea and was incredibly supportive and basically kind of got together a fantastic sponsor and was basically kind of allowed me to have full creative kind of freedom with the show from the lineup to how the show would look, set design, the entire thing. He was just very kind of like, he was just very, very uh, supportive and the entire and team was so supportive. And so, yeah, it it came about at the end of last year. I think it was, we did it in October and it was, it was the dream show. You know, I booked a lineup of DJs who I admire immensely and who I kind of think are the best at what they do and the lineup was reflective of the nights that I've been going to the DJs who I love seeing the music that I like and the and the DJs who I kind of and the way you know the kind of the type of DJ that I enjoy seeing and it was it was divine it was a dream come true it was everything it was great I loved it I'm very very proud of it
2: Good. Yeah, you should be. It was as a joy to watch, and you Thank just you. look like you're having the best time as well, and everyone around you is like fully in it. So those are the best boiler rooms, I think. Um, Thank you. And looking at the comments, like overall, it seemed pretty positive. Like you say, like you're like you were doing a boiler room like in drag, which I don't think's really been done before. So mm. overall, I was like, yeah slay 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 going through everyone's like you're slaying but then there are a couple negative ones and i've Mm. I've had a look at them and like mostly from men like some people being like oh classic the classic one oh you've just got to have a gimmick these days like it's not about talent we had marge simpson because you're dressed in blue
1: yeah (laughs) well i mean the the heterosexuality jumped (laughs) ow in the comments i think that was the takeaway it was the fact that like wow um listen i'm sure there are some straight people who are going to be listening so i'm not talking about you because you guys are the nice ones but like the unoriginality and the lack of creativity was just bubbling over it was like every other person was like avatar this avatar that it's like let's maybe get to a place where we have other references for things that are blue maybe outside of avatar that might be useful um but yeah no some of the comments were hateful and that's exactly what i would expect um you know and honestly i did kind of find them funnier like i kind of like i you know like (laughs) like i got i got stoned with some friends maybe like a month or two after so we were just going through them all and laughing because they're just like it's just so stupid and predictable but I do understand, you know, you know. I th- I feel like Boiler Room is an institution which has a very kind of tunnel vision male fan base, um, and will obviously attract a certain kind of clientele which kind of wants everything very homogenous and very one track, um, because that's where they feel safe and that's where they feel represented. So I kind of, I do understand that, but it's like, you know, uh, you know, I'm not even a typical drag queen. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't look like regular drag queens. When you Google drag queen, that's not the sort of drag that I do. I do it in a way which isn't by the book, so to speak, or, you know, my makeup isn't the rule book makeup and my outfits aren't the rule book outfits. So it was already kind of coming left of field. Um, and yeah, it's bound to it's bound to intimidate and rile up um, people who, you know, don't think that I should have the opportunity. And, you know, that's totally fine because they're wrong. Um, and, you know, it's like it's all part of this keyboard warrior kind of-esque culture where it's like I doubt any of those people who made those comments would dare come up to me and tell me any of that stuff. To my face, because that's like the world we live in now. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're Mm. so safe and warm and cozy, wrapped up on your kind of gamer chair, tapping (laughs) away, tapping away at some like drag queen playing dubstep. Because you're like you're you're fizzing over with fury at (laughs) the fact that it's not you. And it's like, well, you know, tough tea. Sorry about it, but no, it's not you. So. Deal yeah, with
2: it. very well said and also Thank like you. it shows like it's sick like it is they are just wrong because like your bullying was incredible and like it just shows that you're doing something cutting edge and different and mm. these people are scared and it's, and this is the whole thing like i've seen with like even with if this report we put out like people didn't like what <laughs> what we had to say about gender inequality and the people were telling us that were men mm. and like you know, and there are some great men out there, but it's these like angry ones that sit at home in their gamer chairs. Like I've got them um, sitting on one today. Um, <laughs> the comfiest chair. They about, are good, though. to be fair. They are good, but they kind of, it's like when you do something that isn't like strictly the canon, it's like very, some people can't process it. But how are you ever meant to evolve and develop if you don't do something differently, right?
1: It's the like, it's the great process of unlearning, which we all in smaller or larger quantities have to do as human beings, because we are all brought up um, with a dominant narrative about what is acceptable, what is right, and what the rules are for the society that we live in. And then, you know, when things like your report, like a boiler and featuring a drag queen, like the conversation about race that um, was very much prevalent, but which kind of exploded into the mainstream via Black Lives Matter in the spring of 2020 happened, is that a, a process of unlearning occurs where narratives that aren't the dominant are questioned and if you've lived your entire life thinking one thing and believing one thing so much that it's ingrained into the very fiber and core of your being and then you see something that is or read something that is contradictory to that you're going to feel irked and you're going to feel challenged and you're going to feel uneasy because the information that is true that's being presented to you is dissolving everything that you hold Like, the fabric of your world is, like, dissolving. The question is, how do you then respond to that? It's like, do you get angry? Do you keyboard warrior? Do you go on the attack and go on the offensive and stamp your foot and bury your head in the sand? Or do you let the information wash over you and slowly kind of figure out a way to incorporate it into how you live your life? Like, that's the difference. But, like, I know what me and what my community do and will continue to do and you know i think what you've done with this report is so great because even though yeah you're going to have to deal with you know not rightly but you're going to have to deal with people who are aggie and are on the attack it's like actually in a very kind of calm cool considered way what you've done is just present people information Mm. and that's really really important
0: Mm. thank you babes
1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on
0: linkedin.com people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love
1: enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns make this mother's day unforgettable with a piece from blue nile right now get up to 50% off at bluenile.com
0: that's bluenile.com
2: back to like boiler room and as, a, as a platform and like seeing comments like that do you think platforms who post sets like have a duty to moderate and, and go back to those comments. Because actually, me and Katie were talking about this, um, about when we put the report out, um, we had it on quite a few platforms and on social media specifically, people would then be letting us know what they thought, um, some in not very nice ways. And Mm. I actually went back to every single one and I was like, oh, but have you actually read the report? And I'd link them to the website of my, you know, with a good-willed intent, but a bit of sass as well. But do you think the platforms should do more to to moderate that
1: you know it's a really it's a really hard one because you know i'm not in favor of censorship i don't think censorship should be a thing you know i think i think if we want to if i think if we want to live in a world which has we want to live in a world which has a dialogue and that has you know free speech even if we disagree with what that person has to say so i think that's something that we need to still hold dear but at the same time, you know, I'm lucky because I have a community and a support network, and also I'm, I, I'm confident in myself and who I am and my vision. And the comments didn't really get to me. So I'm, but you know, I'm lucky in that way. In the same way, I imagine you are. You know, kind of putting out this report and having loads of criticism thrown at you. It's like I can imagine that even though it might have been hurtful, you weren't necessarily rocked by that and it didn't kind of you know the fact that you were able to kind of respond to those people in a cool calm considered way it's like you know that's amazing but I am aware that some people maybe don't have that framework and those comments and that hatred might be a lot more insidious in terms of I think Boiler Room to be fair with some of the comments I think Boiler Room did moderate some of them um I think you know, I'm also very lucky because I have been a recipient of negative comments, but I've never been a recipient of violence in the comments. And I know that women specifically um, are targets of violence and hate speech in comments a lot more frequently, you know, threats to them, taunting, bullying, kind of like multiple accounts being made to slide into people's DMs to kind of like send them hatred. It's like, I think that's when we need to look at it and kind of like reevaluate, but, Mm. You know, I think there has to be, honestly, I'm unsure. There has to be, I think there has to be more of a dialogue about it. I think maybe the helpful thing is to kind of speak about it more openly. Mm -hmm. And also like a culture of shame, maybe. It's like, what would your mum say if she knew that you were kind of like sending messages like that to strangers on the internet? Like that's a bizarre thing to do. It's like maybe bringing back shame will be helpful as a deterrent. (laughs) But in what form that would take, I don't know because these people yeah. are invisible is the thing. It's like, really, how do you moderate somebody who hides away on the internet? It's like, it's tough. You remove one comment from one account, they can just make a new email and post up another. Yeah. But I think dialogue is key and crucial.
2: That's a really good point. I mean, it's literally like the wild west out there on yeah. the internet, isn't it? <laughs> I
1: know, I don't Anyone even knows. have Twitter. I like, I avoid it completely. Cause I just, from, from what I've heard, it's just like, that just sounds nasty.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go there. No. Um, all right. Well, I want, want to ask you about um, appearance and mm. like presenting. So, in the report, we talked to a lot of women um, and non-binary people about. A lot of them, interestingly, said that they prefer to dress androgynously, um, just so they're not at the like. <laughs> they're not the subject of the male gaze mm-hmm. and people aren't going to comment, oh, she's just there because she's pretty or, oh, cause she's got a little dress on or I've seen some horrible comments about that. And, mm. but what I really wanted to talk to you about is I love that you're fully like embracing and dressing up in this gorgeous drag when you're playing as Lagoon, Femme Shema. And I want to ask, do you ever feel vulnerable expressing your gender identity? Um, or does it empower you You know or what both.
1: it's both it's 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 both down the middle you know uh dr- dressing in dr- dressing in drag um dressing in drag does make you more vulnerable um it does you know that's why if ever I'm DJing in drag I make sure that i as part of kind of like the fee and the rider and whatever and i would kind of suggest this to other drag queens point blank period and other kind of like people who consider themselves vulnerable who work in nightlife is to figure out a way to make sure that your travel is covered from a to b um because yeah you know you are vulnerable if you're in drag you are at a um because you are kind of like a you're kind of like a vocal point um and I've had things said to me on the street. I've had... Um, I remember I was once getting money out at a cash point. It was called a faggot at a cash point. I've had... Um, the main thing is actually having Uber drivers um, immediately cancel rides.
2: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> yeah, immediately cancel rides when they see you. Which, which to be fair, I don't want to take entirely personally because they're probably like, I don't want my ste- my seats stained blue. So I do... <laughs> partially understand it but it is also homophobia so it's like it's like half yeah. and half like i do kind of it's like homophobia with a reason i don't know i'm just kidding <laughs> um God. but what i will say is that for me the most gratifying thing is the image that's what overrides everything else is the that moment in the club where you're look where you're looking at this person who doesn't look like they're from planet earth playing you this music it invigorates an environment in a way that i find kind of endlessly inspiring and there is no you know there's no better way to empower yourself and to make yourself feel invincible than through dress you know it's like that's what it's there for It's like, and you can do anything you want with it. Um, And it's so funny. I was speaking to my friend Annie Lord, who's this fantastic writer the other day on the radio. And she was saying, you know, her and her friends are dressing um, more sparingly than ever before. And they're doing it for themselves and they're doing it specifically for the kind of like, so for like the adulation of their other kind of girlfriends and then also um, gay men and straight men aren't, they're not even being thought about in the process when they, and mm. you know, these are, you know, they're in their poster girl sort of like tight body con, like nothing on kind of like bralette, Nancy Jaca kind of knockoff from wherever, like, and they're like fully they're like, these are women in their kind of like late twenties, but like fully kind of obsessed with the idea of dressing as sexu- sexually and sexually as possible to then go out and not even speak to a man and not have sex. <laughs> so I think it's like, right. I think it's a sliding scale. Um, but yeah, no, it's weird. It is that, yeah. uh, that kind of mixture between vulnerability and like total kind of untouchability and empowerment. Yeah. It's
2: it's a really good point And, I think as well like safety as you're talking about like again that's something we really talked about in the in the report and I think that's a really good point is like travel make sure it's just again it's like so sad you have to think about this but it's like just making sure you can get home safely and get mm. to the pub without any trouble it's just
1: yeah, yeah. It is, it's hard. And you know, like, I've played a lot of, um, I played a lot of, uh, you know, I started my DJ career and drag career actually, and I'm in mixed spaces. Like, I didn't start in safe spaces, and I didn't, and I didn't, and I started clubbing at the same time as safe space culture, but like not in safe spaces. And so there were a lot of times where I did feel like I was just being gawked at or the butt of the joke to, uh kind of like a crowd of people um and that's really hard because it makes it it can make doing it feel very off-putting um Hmm. and so i think you know now more and more and more i'm kind of only trying to be in drag when i'm assured that the environment i'm doing it in will be an empowering one like i refuse to be the butt of somebody's joke like that's just not gonna happen so I'm only really doing drag now where I feel like I'm where I feel like I am uh respected and the moment the respect is gone I'm out of there like I just won't participate
2: yeah good for you what is the biggest progress that you have seen during your career so far
1: nightlife in a way I think is like a barometer for the world Like, or where we are societally, you know, because nightlife is the place where everything starts. Like, nightlife is like the big bang, so to speak. It's like club culture is where every single kind of progressive thing has kind of happened or at least taken place. You know, be it in fashion, in music, in art, it's like this is where the forward thinkers go after a hard day working in their horrible jobs that they hate to kind of like talk about the ideas that excite them and make them feel good about the world. And the way nightlife has progressed since i got involved with it back in 2016 is remarkable you know and there is a dialogue that didn't exist when i started which is now fully there and you uh, i'm slowly kind of seeing a newer generation of kids who have kind of like come up in the world that was created by the people before and these are just the norms this is just the status quo and it is having a trickle-down effect um and i think that's in everything i think it's in conversations to do with race i think it's in conversations to do with sexuality and gender people are a lot more open-minded because oh god it's going to sound so corny and so cheesy but because music is a unifying thing because music ties people together people are seeing where the music comes from And it might not be somebody who they initially identify with or feel like they have commonality with, but because of the environment that they're in and because of the music that they're hearing, acceptance like seeps into them and their brain chemistry changes to allow different narratives and different opinions and different life experiences just become the norm. And it calms people. It makes people more open-minded via osmosis. And I have seen that more and more and more. This is a change that is happening. It does feel different when I started. So, you know, the the work is not done by any stretch, but Nightlife's kind of like positive effect is being felt, I think, throughout Mm -hmm. the country, kind of like throughout the world. We are getting there, for sure. Yeah, love that. Also, I love the...
2: You said nightlife is like the big bang. I'm like, apps abso- fucking neatly. That's great. That's what I mean like no. though. Like that. Yeah, mm. just like Me across like
1: the, it's just like across <laughs> the board. Like I think about it all the time. It's just like, you know, you think about everything from like Studio 54 to like the drag balls and mm. the Harlem Renaissance in the 1920s. It's like the nightclub has always been the place for the most exciting culture. It's just there's no question, and that continues mm. to this day
2: yeah nice all right final question we ask everyone this on the podcast what is your utopia
1: my utopia is a kind of a shared it's kind of like a neighborhood where all my friends and family live everybody lives comfortably and happily and without stress there is uh there is a city where you can go and play but it's a, a safe distance and when you're not interacting with it or playing music in it or doing whatever you come back to this neighborhood and you cook and relax and do a double bill of like crazy white woman, thriller, murder movies. And you like smoke some weed and you eat some roast chicken and you kind of like bask in like the calmness of the place. And it's beautiful and green and verdant. And um, you get to kind of sleep into like nine ten most days because work doesn't start until midday. That's probably my utopia.
2: Wow. I mean, can we go there now, please? Because I don't feel I don't feel like great.
1: that. It's that hard to achieve either. I feel like we're <laughs> just like a couple steps away from it. Like it's not, you know, out of reach.
2: We're nearly there. All right. Well, I'll meet you in your utopia because that sounds gorgeous.
1: Can't wait.
2: What a gem, Lagunas. And thank you so much for joining me on this bonus episode of Utopia Talks. We'll be back with new Utopia Talks content very soon. But in the meantime, there's loads of episodes for you to dive into, featuring the likes of Sherelle, Fat Tony, Jada G, Marianne Hobbs, so many more. So have a scroll through and let me know what you think at Jaguar Worldwide. Big love always to K Bax, a.k.a. Katie Baxter, on the production. And I'll see you guys soon.
0: Utopia Talks is a Stack Production.